Good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you, Highland Park, and uh, uh, thankful that you all made it. That's great. Thank you, Omar. Uh, everybody made it nice and dry, right, this morning. Um, there was a, a hole or two in the building when I got here real early, and I didn't have enough fingers to quite plug them all, but it's all dry now. It's all good. Uh, that was a, a major downpour. I was thinking when 31st and Yale and Sheridan and Memorial are all closed, I'm expecting a few wet people to come in uh, while I'm preaching at some point, and that's all right. It, I, I'm thankful for this church family this week. Um, just caught another glimpse of how this church family cares for one another, and uh, I got to be part of, of the funeral service for Craig's story. Craig came here a few times, and we got to know Craig through our food pantry, and I tell you, that was a guy who uh, loved uh, Highland Park and felt very loved by Highland Park, and his family expressed their thanks. Um, we got to see uh, several of you. There was a mini convention, I think it was Monday or t- it was Tuesday, over to see Jose and Sammy had a baby, and she's the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life, and uh, they're doing really well, and so we're thankful for that and thankful to see how the church is taking care of them, and so thank you for caring for each other, for caring for one another. That's what we want to do as a church. And if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 because we're really just going to be talking about the church today. More and more, our world is asking, do I really need the church? Why does the church matter? Is it important anymore? And uh, sometimes that's said by people who don't believe in God. And then some people who believe in God say, I can just believe in God and I don't need the church. I can do this thing on my own. And I, I want to kind of talk to everybody and talk to us about what does God expect of us, the church, Highland Park Christian Church, and as we fit into the capital C big church, the global church, all believers around the world. And so I want to talk to you, preach from Hebrews 10, but I'm also going to step aside for just a little bit today because I want you to understand where we as a church family are going. And there's some opportunities and some challenges and some changes on our horizon, and we've been communicating those in different ways for, the, for about the last five months, um, but I want to kind of come back to that and say, here's some things that you're going to see, and here's why, as, and just, I want us to all be on the same page and to have understanding with one another uh, as we go forward today. And so let's just begin with this powerful passage in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to begin just reading a, a few of the verses, in verse, uh, beginning in verse 23. Let us, this is talking to the church here, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think if you could just summarize this, it's hang together. And don't give up. Like, hang with each other. Encourage with it. Don't give up. Don't, don't quit being with one another. You need each other. And I want to remind you, church, that the church is God's idea. And the church is God's plan. And the, the church carries out God's mission. And so that's a big deal. So you need the church, and I need the church, and our community needs Highland Park. I see that all the time. And this world needs the church all over the place, Christians all around the world. The world needs the church. 
in the church, we need one another. At Highland Park, our vision is fairly simple. It's to help people love God, love others, and to serve together. It's pretty simple. The greatest commandment, Jesus said, was to love the Lord your God. And he said the second greatest commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others, and we want people to learn to serve together. That, that first part about helping people love God. Have you ever been to a ball game, and there was some parent who was fairly misinformed, a little ignorant of the sport, sitting in the bleachers, screaming out, throw a flag, throw a flag, he's off sides. And finally, you turn around, and you're like, dude, this is basketball. They don't have flags, and nobody's off sides. Just chill out, Dad. <laughs> We've all seen that, and the truth is that all of us can be a little bit ignorant in life, right? We can all miss things and not understand things. And one of the, one of the great calls of the church is to instruct people, to, to teach one another. And it's not just my job to teach you, it's your job to also teach me that this is mutual. We teach one another. We learn from one another, and there are teachers and, and preachers, but we're also in relationships and learning from one another, and hopefully all of that learning is grounded in God's Word. So every person at Highland Park has a responsibility to be studying God's Word because we are Highland Park together, and we want every person to be studying and, and helping. The church helps us form habits spiritual habits, habits that will guide our lives, habits in reading the word, habits in caring for the hurting, habits for encouraging the broken, habits for going to someone who, who doesn't know the Lord and, and understanding how to share the gospel with them. That's one of the things that we've given extra attention to this past year. And so we want to help you love God and if you say, well, I love God right now, great. We want to help you love God more. It's a process that keeps going and keep going, that we keep growing in our love for God. That second part of our vision is we want to help people to love. We want you to love and to be loved. I have permission to read an email that I received from a guest just a couple weeks ago. And when you get emails uh, that, and you don't know who they're from, and they start off with, hey, I wanted to tell you something. I was a guest at your church. You kind of like, I kind of had this moment of fear of like, oh, no, what did we do? Did like we accidentally trip her down the stairs or what happened? Um, I hope it was good. It was good. Let me read. She wrote, the last eight or nine years have been exhausting and tiring for me. My husband was involved in a workplace accident in 2009 that left him on disability with debilitating headaches and medical issues. After that, one of our children went through some trying legal issues. Then my mother was diagnosed with Parkinson's, and she died in April of 2016. Then 14 months after, Allison, my oldest daughter at age 31, was killed in a car wreck. She left behind two children, a 13-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. I'm in a state, if you could call it that, of extreme sadness and mental, physical, and emotional exhaustion. Everything is overwhelming. And I am so very weary, like Elijah was. Saturday, my husband and I came to Tulsa to attend a gathering for grieving parents. Sunday morning came, and I knew I wanted to attend church, but I was so tired, and deep down I thought about just staying in the hotel room and not going anywhere. But God was impressing upon me to go to church and to go to Highland Park. So I did. 
As soon as the first words were out of the mouth of one of the worship team members, I knew God wanted me there. Her words about maybe you're grieving or having anxiety were all I heard because I thought, yep, that's me. I'm grieving, anxious, exhausted. I think I'm right where I need to be today. Your message on God saving the weary was so comforting to my soul. Your worship team is awesome. The whole morning music and sermon was like refreshing rain pouring over my extremely weary and worn out soul. I love how you had us repeat, he restores my soul. Thank you. I hope to be back at Highland Park next time we're in town. That's a pretty good email. We need the church because there's moments in our, gr- our greatest bit of brokenness when we, we need the church. And so many times God speaks to me and to you just the right words from just the right person, just the right time. And, I'll, and we'll walk by somebody and somebody will encourage me and they'll pull me aside and say, hey, how are you doing today? And I, I've had people call me in the week and say, hey, I just was thinking about you today. How, are, how can I pray for you? We need each other. We need the church to help us love and to be loved. There was a, a research survey done. It was by a secular company, a magazine. But they rated the world's most lonely countries. And not like a country isolated from other countries, but like the people in the country who are actually experiencing loneliness. And of the top seven, beginning with number seven, it goes like this. Russia, Canada, United States, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, and Sweden. Those are the top seven. And I begin reading a little bit more about this. England actually has a new position in their government called the Minister of Loneliness, who oversees the Department of Loneliness. I'm not, I'm not making this up. They see it as a national pandemic, a national crisis, because so many people that they see in their country are experiencing loneliness. Prime Minister Theresa May said, for far too many people, loneliness is the sad reality of modern life. And research says that it's proven, loneliness is proven to be worse for your health than 15 cigarettes a day. They see it as a crisis. And throughout, they said in England, throughout 2017, we have heard from new parents, children, disabled people, caregivers, refugees, and the elderly who all uh, are experiencing lots of loneliness. And their government found that 200,000 people in their country had not had a phone call or a conversation with a close family member or friend in over a month. I think it is a crisis. I don't know that the government is going to solve it. It's interesting to me that they're trying to bring someone aside to address it, and and maybe I'm glad that they are, but I'm wondering if there's lots of other things at play that are causing this. And I noticed just that list of countries, there's some similarities there. Um, Extreme poverty is not an issue for any of those countries. That should tell you something about chasing after wealth and thinking it will bring us happiness and sometimes it brings us loneliness. I'm thinking our culture is kind of set up against us sometimes. I mean, you just think about our society. Our zoning issues mean for here in Tulsa that we don't walk anywhere. We have to drive everywhere we go so we're not passing people on the sidewalk. We're not getting to know people very well. And how many of us spend more time on our front porch than our back patio? Not very many. There's just a lot of things about our society. I'm not saying all those things are bad or terrible, but I'm saying our society is kind of set up so that we can experience one of the values we have 
of independence. And some of that value is good, but then it can turn into loneliness. I say all that to say maybe there's lots of little surface things that a country could do to help. But the root issue is spiritual. It's spiritual because God has a plan for loneliness, and it's called the church. God has a plan to address this, and it's you caring for this person and you allowing yourself to be cared for by other people. Sometimes that's harder than doing the actual caring, right? We're okay helping someone, but we don't want to be helped that much. We don't want to cry out for help that much. So it's this thing that the church has some answers Part of our small group leadership team that's been working uh, in, with our small groups and developing plans for this fall, we've actually been talking about Legos quite a bit. And not just for fun, though. Uh, we might do it a little bit for fun. But we read a book called Sticky Church. And the, all, all of, the book of Sticky Church is how do you help people stick to church and to stick to one another and for the sermon to stick to them and for this learning to grow and kind of picture a big Lego and what you need to put another piece on the Lego is space, right? So that it can connect. That's what you need with Legos. If there's no place to connect, if all of the connectors are full, then this piece might not be able to go and connect. And when it comes to church life, if, if a church has become this place with no connectors that are open, it becomes very difficult for people to come and connect because they might be like, where can I connect? Where can I connect? I don't know. So I'm going to leave because I don't feel connected. I don't feel loved. And so we've been asking ourselves, what can we do to make sure that we have open connectors for people? Now, there's a few of you that are really outgoing, and you could walk into any place in the world and immediately connect because you're you're that kind of person. But you're in the fairly small minority. Most people are going to need some help. For someone to say, hey, here's a place where you can connect. Hey, come right over here with me, and you can be here with this group or this class or this ministry team or, or whatever it might be, this group of friends. So we need some help. We need to connect. So our vision is to help people love God, love others, and to serve together. We want to help people serve together. We're really thankful that Michael Sodder just returned home after being overseas, serving our country, and we're so thankful that he's back and safe with his family. And while he was gone, what you might not know is how many people cared for their family. And I had permission again from their family to share this, but they felt loved on. People stopped by to check on Lily and the kids. We had a group of guys and deacons and fellows who mowed their yard all summer and just took care of that and did different things for them. It's a beautiful thing when the church serves one another and serves the world and takes care of people and gets to know people. And one of the beautiful things about that is that we knew about the need and we were able to help address that need. And so there's relationship that's intertwined within the serving that takes place. And we want to help everybody serve. And we don't want you to serve just to serve and to come up here and stick your finger in a wall that might be leaking water on a Sunday morning real early. But we want you to find a place to serve where you find fulfillment. I love it when I see a volunteer walk away from a a, a really great time of ministry with their team, and when they walk away, they're thinking like, man, that's what I was made for, was to do that for God's kingdom. We want you to be part of our mission And here's what we found out when we did the demographic study last year. We found out 
if you were to start your car in this parking lot and drive 30 minutes any direction, you would find 650,000 people who aren't following Jesus. So don't tell me we don't have an important mission because when there's thousands of people who don't know the Lord, we better be on mission, church. We, we can't afford to just kind of be apathetic or just to maybe show up every once in a while or to think maybe I've done my little part, but I'm kind of done. I'm out of the game right now or I'm too busy with something else. There's thousands of people and thousands of them in our own neighborhood who don't know Christ and their eternities are at stake. So we have to be on mission, church. We have to serve. This isn't just little stuff we're talking about. It's life and death. Jesus said, go make disciples of all the nations. And one of the beautiful things about our neighborhood is there are a number of nations represented right here. You don't have to walk very far. And there are young and there are old and rich and poor and everything in between all close by. You could walk to their houses from here in a few minutes. And those people matter to God. So they matter to us. I... I like to watch sports a little bit, but I found out something long ago was that I like to play sports more. And I remember actually having a Final Four party at my house when I was in high school with a bunch of my buddies, and we came over, we're going to watch the Final Four. It's the biggest basketball weekend of the year for college basketball fans. And all the guys came over, and it was raining outside, and I remember that we spent almost the entire evening playing basketball in the rain on my driveway instead of watching the game. We would run inside and watch the important stuff and watch the very end of the game, and then we'd go back outside and be dripping wet. And I was thinking when I... My mom is a saint. I don't know how she'd put up with us because we must have really stunk terrible, um, like wet dogs. But we spent the whole night doing that. And the reason is, it's fun for me to watch a game, but it's really fun to actually be in the game, to actually be part of what's happening, the, the highs and the lows and the wins and the losses and working with a group of people. And you've experienced that if you've been in a band or, or worked in a company that was tightly connected or done some type of a, of a project with others. It's more fun to be in the game. And what we're asking you to is to be in the game. Everybody who visits Highland Park, we, we don't want them to feel pressure. There's a time to come and to visit and to kind of sit in the stands and watch and get to know people and think, is this the place for me? We understand that. But it's not a place to stay because God is inviting you to come from the bleachers to the turf, from the bleachers to the court to play, to actually get your hands dirty and to sweat and to work and to labor alongside because, quite frankly, you need the church, and the church needs you, and this community needs Highland Park. So we have a role to play. Last April, we unveiled a, a two-year strategy uh, that Highland Park um, is, is chasing just because we realized that our message has not changed, our principles have not wavered at all, um, but sometimes the method has to change, and sometimes that's just because it needs to. Something has grown stole, uh, stale or, or old, but sometimes it's because somebody buys the parking lot to the west of you, and you don't know when they're going to put a big building there, and you can't park there anymore, right? And that happened to us. And so we're, we've been trying to think, how can we not only be defensive, but 
be thinking ahead and be prepared that no matter what happens in that parking lot, whenever it may happen, that we're prepared for that. What's a, a way of doing ministry so that we don't go sideways or backwards whenever that, that happens? And so our, our two-year strategic plan, the first part is to reimagine programs to increase discipleship and ministry to families and parking flexibility. So that's kind of a big statement, but it means several things. One is I'm really excited that our youth and children's ministry have been studying a, a way for them to kind of wrap around their ministries called phases. And we'll be talking a lot about that next month. But basically what that means is for since its beginning, Highland Park has loved children and students and families. And this is the next step in us doing that where we are trying to bring together our children's ministry and youth ministry and parents and the rest of the church closer together to all be on the same team, working together, all going in the same direction so that we can disciple children and students as well as anybody possibly could in our situation. That's what we want to do. And so it's wrapping all of that together, bringing it together, having a lot of energy all together. Uh, It also means um, that we knew we needed to be a little less reliant on parking Because whenever construction starts right there, we can't do the same program that we've done this morning here, where we had a 9 o'clock Bible class hour, and then we had this. Because we won't have enough parking spaces. So what we're going to need is, when that day comes, we're going to need to have a worship service like this one hour, and then have have all y'all leave and have another worship service just like this, because we're going to need fewer parking spaces um, to make that all happen. And so we're thinking about how can we be proactive, but also how can we just live in reality? So when that day comes, we're not just scrambling, thinking, well, we didn't even think this through. We have no idea what we're going to do now. And so we want to prepare for that day. So if you want to turn over in your, in your bulletin just for a, a moment, um, I want to talk about just how that program is going to work just a little bit. Because There's been lots of things happening behind the scenes, but you're going to actually feel them here in a couple weeks. On September 2nd is when you're going to feel it for the the average person um, who maybe hasn't been behind the scenes working and and trying to figure out some of the children's and youth ministry and programming changes. And so um, what's going to happen beginning September 2nd is that we will not have the 9 o'clock programming that we have right now. Um, There... We have given the, Bible, the adult Bible classes the option of meeting, and a couple of them are, and that's fantastic. So that's good to go, and those classes will be good to, good to go for at least a little while until their hand is forced by the parking situation, and then they're going to have to meet really early or meet at a different time. That's just kind of the reality of that. But for now, that, that will continue for some of those Bible, adult Bible classes. There will not be youth or children's programming during the 9 o'clock hour. During the 10.30 hour, um, there will be the same children's programming that's happening right now. I'll tell you about a few of those differences. Sixth grade and up will all be in here with us. And then on the last Sunday of the month will be family worship, and it'll be first grade and up. We'll be here together. That's just kind of like how it is right now. So when we were thinking about um, how to do this and I'll start by talking about Michelle and our children's ministry. Right now, here's what it looks like. We have Bible classes or Sunday school, whatever you'd like to call them. There's a bunch of them that meet different ages and such downstairs, and they study God's Word, and they get to know one adult leader really well, and it's a beautiful thing. We love it. 
And after this, they go to um, kids' worship, where they're together and they hear um, teaching and they sing and they have communion. And um, before that, they have a little game time in between, and it's great. But we, we've just been thinking how that doesn't work with the new schedule. So how do we do that? And Michelle is actually super excited, and this has been something she'd been thinking about before we even got to this place. But what children's ministry is going to look like is one big hour that includes teaching, just like today. Uh, it includes uh, musical worship and communion, just like they're having downstairs this morning. But it also includes the small group element. In fact, the kids' small group leaders are the same Bible teachers they have right now. This gets going to be at a different time. And curriculum-wise, when they go to their small groups within this hour, it's all contained within the hour, the 1030 to 1140 hour. Um, uh, When they go there, they're going to teach them deeper the study that they just heard from Michelle or Chris or whoever's teaching down there that day. And then they pray with them. They get to know them. So it's a lot of the same stuff that they were experiencing today. They'll be experiencing September 2nd and beyond. It's just going to look a little bit different. What Michelle really loves is it's all going to be centered around the exact same theme. So there'll be one big idea every day. And they'll hear it from up front. They'll sing about it. And then they'll discuss it in their small group. So we hope to really get that one big idea deep into their souls. What's cool is our children's ministry is actually writing all of their own curriculum this fall so it will will align with what we're doing up here. So when you go home and have lunch with your kids, you can talk to them and say, what did you learn? And they're going to tell you a scripture from the Bible that you studied up here with us the same day. We love that. We love it when families are able to talk. And so that's a little bit how kids' worship is going to work. And they still have Big Time, which is a big Wednesday evening event um, that grew a lot last year, and then special events as well. For student ministry, it's going to look a little bit different again. And uh, I got to meet and spend several hours with Matt, and he was showing me the whole, walk, I said, walk me through the whole thing. And he did this, this last week. And I'm so excited about what's going to be able to happen for student ministry uh, because they're, they're going to be here with us during the 1030 time. They don't have their 9 o'clock Bible class that they've had in the past that we loved in the past and we love everything that happened there, but it doesn't work with the schedule and we can't duplicate it going forward. And so what we've done is we've taken Wednesday night that used to be, imagine, a small circle, and we've turned Wednesday night into a really big circle, and we've expanded the time. It used to be 6.30 to 8. Now it's going to be 6.15 to 8.15. So we've got this big two-hour chunk of time uh, that, honestly, we've seen better attendance from our students on Wednesday nights than we have on Sunday mornings. So we like that. That makes sense. Sometimes it's easier for students to bring friends on a Wednesday night than it is on a Sunday morning. And so when they come here, there's going to be um, kind of activities centered around one big idea. There's going to be teaching Um, around that. There's going to be different types of worship and prayer types of things. And then there's also going to be a small group element that I think the youth ministry would tell you always felt a little rushed in the past, and it's not going to have to feel rushed anymore. We're actually within that hour, just like in children's ministry, they'll break off with small group leaders who love them and care for them and can go deeper into the lesson and talk with them, discuss them, and just get to know them, get to know their life. 
And so we love what's happening with that. Also in youth ministry, there's a whole bunch of other things that are going to happen as far as extra special events. Some of them on Sundays where they dive deep into the Word for an extended period of time and do extra teaching, some worship things, some fun kind of fellowship things on Sundays. And so there's a whole bunch of kind of extra things uh, that are going for them as well. Does that make sense? Hopefully a little bit. Here's, here, we made a deal with Matt and Michelle. We said, cancel your lunch plans on Sunday and can you just hang out in the lobby and answer questions? And they were like, yeah, we can do that. So if you have questions, go talk to Matt and Michelle today, and they would be, be glad to visit with you because I'm sure I did not answer everything. I did not try to even cover everything today because there's so much stuff to cover there. Um, if you have your Bibles open to Hebrews 10, go ahead and um, uh, look over in verse 32. Uh, while you're finding that, I just want to read you a quote that I heard, um, uh, I heard this past summer. And it was a time when I was, I was thinking about some of these things, and honestly, I was thinking, man, I'm really going to miss some of those things. And Herbert Cooper said this. He said, get your eyes off what it was and get your eyes on what it is, because that's what is taking you where you'll go. Well, I needed to hear those words this summer. It was a reminder that, we can celebrate and be thankful for our past, but God has not called us to live in our past. God has called us to live in the future. With, with these changes that take place for students, we realize that also brings about changes for adults. Uh, this, the second big strategy point, and I'm not going to cover the rest of these, uh, but the second one is that we want to increase small group participation. I have good news. Last spring... We had a small group session that just went for about four or five weeks, and quite a few of you were in that, and we did evaluations of everybody who was in those small groups, and 89% of you said, we want to do that again. So we know that small groups can work here, and the, the, the advantage that small groups give us at Highland Park is that they don't have to be in this building with people taking up parking spots. They can be anywhere. But what we've also seen is when people have done small groups, um, there's been a lot of what I would call stickiness. People have stuck to that group and felt really well connected. Um, for the younger generation, we've especially seen that to be true. And if we want to reach the younger generation, we think we want to do and what's working for them and their schedules. And people's schedules are just different than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. And that's okay. We're not mad about that. That's just reality. And so it seems like a lot of our younger people are able to better commit at a higher capacity to small groups than the Sunday morning Bible class hour that we've had. And that just seems to be reality. So we're not even afraid about kind of moving to this model. We actually think it can be a great blessing for Highland Park. And we know a number of you have been in small groups and you've loved the diversity in that small group and getting to know younger or older people and people that you didn't hang out with before, but to really get to know them. And so what we've been doing is working like crazy to try to answer all of those questions to help small groups launch. And in about a month, we're going to have a big launch with a lot of new small groups. And we hope that every person here is part of one. Because if you can be part of a small group that's helping you grow in God's word and take care of one another and pray for one another, then it doesn't matter what happens with the parking lot situation. Your group can still meet and be together. And so we really are concerned for everybody. We want, no matter what happens with the parking lot, we don't want you to lose your connectivity 
to one another. That, so that's kind of what we're after there. And again, we, I know that there's more questions, more than we have time for. Um, but that's where we are trying to help everybody connect and be loved. So Hebrews 10, verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were uh, so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. I love that. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteousness will, my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We aren't facing the type of persecution they were. I mean, they were seeing people thrown in prison and beaten and killed. And it's a good reminder for us that as soon as I start to panic about all of the things that the challenges we face at Highland Park, none of them quite compare to that, right? And it's a good little reminder for me to have some perspective. But it, it still feels different, and so it can still feel like a challenge. And the truth is that just the church globally is always up against challenges because Satan is always attacking Satan doesn't want the church to thrive and to move on. But we know that God has a plan for us. That phrase in here in Hebrews 10 that says to not shrink back, I looked up where that phrase is used elsewhere in the Bible. It's just used a couple times. Twice it's used when Paul says, I did not shrink back from telling you everything you needed to hear. In other words, when proclaiming God's truth might get me in trouble, I still preached it. When, when saying what was right... Uh, demanded, you know, when, I, when I preached and taught, I didn't hold anything back. I never would shrink back. The other time it's used is when Peter had learned, had been told by God, had been taught by the church, everyone had agreed that the Jews would accept the Gentiles and welcome them into the church and fellowship with them and be part of this ministry of reconciling people together. But in Galatians 2, the text says literally that Peter shrunk back from the Gentiles to be with the cool crowd, the Jews who held prejudice against the Gentiles. And so Peter, if I could do my translation, wimped out. He shrunk back. He gave up on what God had called them to do. And so church, I want to ask you, let's not shrink back. Let's not wimp out. When God says, here's truth, we preach it. When God says, love people, we love them. No matter what it costs us, we do what God has called us to do. There's a couple of action steps you could take this morning. And the first is this. If you would like prayer, if you feel like you have shrunk back, and you need to confess that with someone just privately and quietly up here, somebody would love to pray with you this morning. If, um, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've been shrinking back from that decision to follow him, then maybe today is your day to say, yes, I'm not going to shrink back from that decision anymore, that I want to be baptized and have this new life in Christ, and we would love to talk to you and help you with that. 
And you can mark that on your card if you want someone to pray for you or talk to you this week, or you can come up here uh, during this next song. We'll be glad to pray with you and talk to you about your next steps. And if you're fairly new to Highland Parker, maybe you've just never left the bleachers to join the game, we want to ask you to do that. Uh, next week, we have a thing called HP 101, where we would love you to come and get to know about the church and how you can connect and how you can serve. And uh, we would love you just to mark on your card that you want to come and come with us and help us help you learn to serve and to connect and to grow, because there's a whole lot of people who need to hear the gospel. And the plan that God has for them to hear the gospel is primarily you. It's us. So we have a big role in front of us. If you would, would you stand and let me pray for us? God, we, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, help us to not shrink back from what you've called us to do for what you've called us to be. Lord, help us to, to courageously move ahead. Thank you that your son, Jesus, never shrank back. Even when death was right in front of him, he walked forward and embraced what you had called him to do. We, we are so thankful. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to follow your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.